Welcome Beyond the Pixel, episode 11. I'm Luis Fernando Sandrin, technical designer, and joining me is Ken Ha, digital artist. So, uh, let's talk about Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 then. Tony Hawk Pro so you, Skater 2, 1 and so 2. So you were saying you beat the entire thing before, before it came, came out. out? Before it so what, came what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? Do you mean like you beat 1 and 2 before it came no, out? No, I mean, I, I got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 on Thursday at, what was it? It was 6 p.m. It was weird. It came out on Thursday at 6 p.m. So mm-hmm. not the, uh, not Friday, which was when it was supposed to be released. I forget the dates already. This was like two weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> played it nonstop for like four hours, and I, I beat both games 100%. With uh, my created skater. <laughs> so you're you're talking about like the old school PS no one and no the one that just came out. <laughs> oh okay, you just got okay yeah yeah sorry you got early access to. I didn't uh, get early access. It's it was weird. It just launched at six p.m. the day before it came out. Usually we get games uh, at nine p.m. right. Oh that's like when weird. they go launch. But this game for some reason was out at six p.m. Pacific time. <laughs> And I said, you okay, the grind. my evening is is going to be full of Tony Hawk. And then by 11 p.m. I had done pretty much everything in the game for one skater. Oh, okay, okay. I, I see what you guys mean. Dude, that's crazy. Uh, this game is uh, actually so much nicer to watch now. I have a friend <laughs> that is so was really, really into it and would be playing whenever I went over at his house to play like Smash Brothers. And oh, uh, it it was so painful to watch because the game it's not like old games were bad but dude they were in like 320p it was it was so pixelated and hard to see what was going on like i got in the hard part for me for like doing because i like to do like combo records or just try to break my own combo record right Mm -hmm. was to in the old one was to see like what the objects were actually supposed to be (laughs) like it's hard to be precise when the pixel is like so big Oh man, I don't know. Like at some point, it just becomes the Matrix. You know, you don't see pixels; you see opportunity. <laughs> at a certain so, okay. point, you just get into Tony Hawk Vogue state. Every something <laughs> takes over you, right? The spirit of the Birdman just possesses you, and you just skate. You just <laughs> go, and you're hitting combos. You're hitting gaps. You're you're hitting all the spots that you need to. You're looping around the warehouse at like 50 miles per an hour, and you're just doing combo after combo after combo after combo and it's it's a great feeling i i love tony hawk so much uh probably one of my favorite franchises of all time so how would you um rate this remake in terms of just like uh, a spiritual remake uh i'll i'll rate it 10 kickflips out of a benihana (laughs) (laughs) i've heard a lot of people um say this is the like a really good combination of the different physics throughout Tony Hawk 1, 2, 3, and yeah. a fourth one, right? So, like, it's a bit more like the gravity is a bit more like Tony Hawk 1, I guess. The, the feel is a weird combination between 1 and 2, I feel. What do you think? Uh, I almost feel like it's its own thing. Like, it's hard to put a finger on it, but you know when you play it, it's like this is not, this is not what the original games felt like, but that's not necessarily mm. bad. They mm-hmm. basically took a lot of the move set from three, uh, and and a bit from Thug as well. Thug, uh, Tony Hawk's Underground. Mm-hmm. So you can do things like reverts. You do a vert trick, you come back down, you do a revert. Your board switches the other way around. You combo that into a manual, and you can basically do a combo throughout the entire level by doing that. 
Tony Hawk yeah. 1 didn't yeah. even have manuals. Tony Hawk 2 added manuals. Tony Hawk okay, 3 yeah, added it. reverts. And that's kind of when it all came together. That's why Tony Hawk 3 is considered one of the best games of all time. I still mm. throw Tony Hawk 3 into my PS2 every now and then. <laughs> uh, Dude, it must be so nice to be able to play like a, a good-looking version of that oh game. Oh, God. In this game, like you, you put it on my 4K TV and you throw on some HDR in it, it's a looker for sure. I, uh, I I was talking to a friend while I was watching them play this that I was like, this is the dream of what I want to happen to Smash Brothers Melee. For someone to like take that game and remake it as beautiful as they, like as proper as they did this one. Because like it's this one, I think it's even trickier because you're right. They, like, like you said, they didn't copy everything exactly like any of any of the particular games. Mm-hmm. But they've had so they had to make like conscious decisions here and there. But the decisions they made. It's hard to stay true to an old game, but they really did it, it feels like. And it looks like it, right? Well, they also messed up once because they had Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD, which also took the levels from 1 and 2. Basically, the same thesis of this game. And that (laughs) game just... It felt wrong, you know? It felt Well, what did they do wrong? I never played that one. You just knew... It was just one of those intuitive things. Like, you picked up a controller and you just said, no, this doesn't feel right. Whereas you you pick up this control, I, I I can't really describe it to you like this. You're asking me to explain twenty years of muscle memory, of just playing <laughs> the game over and over. Is like I can't express to you what makes the Tony Hawk game feel the... right. It, it, it's got it's got to, you got to have that quickness when you land the trick. You got to have the snappiness when you go into a grind. Uh, mm. And and there was a bit of like a a, a floaty putty feel to HD. Mm. That's as best as like I can explain mm. it. It, no, I don't. I understand what that means. Yeah, it it didn't exactly feel like necessarily slow, but it did feel soft. Like it lacked a crispness. This also is is less crisp than if you go back and play the PS One games. Like, but there is more mm-hmm. weight and impact to the moves in a way that makes it feel different but better. You know? Yeah. So I I this this the feel that you're talking about is something that I um. I guess like I have a lot of familiarity with because it's a very big part of like the Smash Brothers games and anyone who's played multiple versions of them like everyone can kind of tell but because of the movement and I think the same thing is going on in Tony Hawk is because it's a lot about like the gravity and this like how they determine not just the gravity but every character is going to have like uh every impact is going to have a certain weight applied to it um and that's going to like you say, that's going to change things like uh, how responsive it is or how well it snaps to or how, how strong their snap is versus their gravity. Mm-hmm. I bet you that's the, the key thing, because when it, we were talking to just for Smash, it would be like small things like someone would um, they wouldn't accelerate as fast because the, while the gravity is similar, the their weight like distribution in the game was set to lower. So then mm-hmm. they wouldn't accelerate as fast or as 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 properly as like a heavy person would mm-hmm. um that's the thing i noticed with, with tony hawk uh like one and two remake is that the weight feels good but i also don't do the sounds are so like they're crisp mm-hmm. they feel good when you like attach onto a rail mm-hmm. and you can kind of like you know what's kind of what's happening just based on the sounds mm-hmm. and it's 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 interesting because unlike smash tony hawk specifically feels like tony hawk like there is differences in stats, but there aren't differences between the skaters if you max out all your skills, right? Which is generally how you're going to be playing online or something. It's going to be playing with a skater that has all maxed out stats. And so mm-hmm. they all are going to play sort of the same way. 
and, and so what you're trying to nail is, is this is basically just one character and you just got to make that one character feel amazing you got to make it feel like what you remember it is like to play tony hawk but not actually what it what it felt like to play tony hawk back in the day you know <laughs> dude one of the biggest things um this game i, I love that this game did was that they kept the soundtrack from the old game they kept pretty much it's, all the songs yeah holy, it's such a throwback to hear that much billy talent <laughs> and like billy talent is actually the new was, song Dude, I love the OG. Didn't Wait. have any Billy Talent. That was oh okay. I didn't. That was didn't that was a that. little. That was a little before <laughs> Billy Talent blew up. Billy Dude, Talent was like 2004 era. This is 1999, baby. This is this is Rage Against the Machine. This is Bad Religion. <laughs> this is this is uh freaking Blink 182 in there. Nope, no Blink 182. <laughs> that's all. That's all the early aughts, man. This was the 90s. Well, well, I'm talking about that's in the the, the, the current remake one. Is there Blink 182 in the remake? I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I, I feel like it, I just in my head it's probably one of the generational songs that I thought would be in this game. Nah, <laughs> I'm afraid not. You have to go back yeah. to like Test Drive of Destruction if you want Blink 182. Those like yeah, old dude. racing games. Holy crap! There was so much Blink 182 and like racing games on the on like the <laughs> PlayStation One and PlayStation Two. True. Yeah, the the music was definitely like a a, a big nostalgia point. Like, cause I, I when I played this back when I was uh, in in high school, like you would you would grind a level for so many like hours, and you would hear the same soundtrack. I feel like it got it felt like it got burnt into my brain by the end of it. Um, I <laughs> I am not afraid to admit. I might be a little bit afraid to admit. I'll admit it anyway. Uh, most of my cell phone ringtones when we actually got cell phones in like high school and this was like maybe 2004 and stuff when, when like we, we had like cell phones that could actually have ringtones I literally just put all the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 ringtones on there I had a uh, when worlds collide <laughs> Power Man 5000 on, <laughs> on there that was my ringtone for a while before I switched to like rage raging as machine have gorilla radio uh, try to be the edgy kid <laughs> Um, punk so, rock changed our lives, man. Punk rock changed our lives. Never forget. One of the one of the funniest things that uh, is going on right now. I'm not sure if you've watched any of the Twitch streams lately, but um, there is uh, these two streamers. One one's named Moon Moon. He's like his Overwatch, uh, originally an Overwatch streamer that's gotten pretty popular. Another guy's uh, Clint Stevens. He's like a Mario 64 speedrunner. Okay. Um, somehow they've gotten into like this competition in Hangar. To see who can get the highest combo, right? Do they have to land and it? They, well, the, it's just like who can get the best, best points, or the biggest, most amount of points, and the best way to do that is to get one giant combo, right? And then obviously land it. So it starts off with Clint Stevens like um, hitting like hitting like three. Th I can't remember the exact numbers. Let's. I think it was like three million at first, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then like this is over. This this happens over the course of like two weeks. Moon Moon keeps changing er every time he streams. His stream names to like um, this stream be beat finally beating Clint Stevens three million record, and then playing this other game, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next day, Clint Stevens will like beat his own record. And he's like at six million, <laughs> and Moon Moon's like time to beat Clint Stevens six million records, and this goes on for like for like 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 a whole week right where where at one point i think clint stevens was at like 20 million and moon moon's chasing him right nice um 
And then, uh, meanwhile, like if you ever turn to tune to the stream, it's like the same thing. It's like a dude that's insane. He's doing this. <laughs> he's going down the same track at the beginning, doing the same like initial turn to try to get in hangar and just over and over and over again. Which, by the way, like if you play Tony Hawk, like when the first the first iterations that came out, that was ex like exactly what you're doing. You're just doing one stage. You're like fuck, and then you just, like switch over. Like damn it. Um. Anyways, he finally beats him. Right, Moon Moon finally beats him with like this sixty million score wow, right nice. that's a pretty that's a that's a huge score and then um the, i think the latest is that <laughs> clint steven like logs on for like an hour and then beats him with like an 80 million <laughs> score and wow. then drops it but then before this happens though like everyone was so excited for moon moon that to the man himself tony hawk himself did a zoom call cameo where he calls out clint stevens for not being able to beat moon moon and saying that maybe he should uh, twitch sub to moon moon instead wow. Dude, it's, it's been like the greatest rivalry wow. uh, <laughs> that i've been seeing on twitch play out right now it's so funny uh and it's exactly like in the spirit of tony hawk just just like this weird addict addictive grind that tony hawk one and two was mm -hmm. that's those are the ones i played i didn't i didn't play I actually play three unfortunately mm. um but yeah dude this game was uh it's such a good remake it's such a good remake i'm glad that, that it's it, it's it good work. and like as good as it is it's i'm not playing too much of it anymore oh you you, you did you think you burned through it and you're like okay well, that's good i i burned through it right i played in a multiplayer and like mm -hmm. I, I i'm winning most of the matches i play in multiplayer it's not you need here, you need here. you need a rival in this game you need someone to like make it mean oh, yeah. something right and this mm -hmm. was oh man i played so much tony hawk back in the day was like after high school right and like after 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 we, we we came home from like from like school and we had that like magic period which was before parents got home and we could just <laughs> do whatever we wanted yeah like that's that's when we really got into into playing a lot of tony hawk but nowadays, think, like when we when I was at when I was at the startup studio where I where I started working at, I should probably not flick this thing while we we're recording. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was when I was like at the startup, we did play Tony Hawk at lunch. Me and me and one of the engineers, and like we did have like those big competitions like on three, and like we would just we would just bomb down airport and like try to to get the highest score, and that was. That that was a great time that we that we had, but like now it's I don't know it's kind of hard to get that sort of same feel at at a at a one of the bigger studios or 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 in man. these COVID times. Here, this is what I think is that that this game doesn't need to be a game that like you're gonna go pro in and then you know like you, like some people play COD they play for like significant amount of hours to get amazingly good. The way I see this game is the way I see all the people who play this game a lot more than me play it before this game came out, which is that they're bored for like 30 minutes. They have, most of them had an emulator that they're playing on and they whip it up. They do a couple of grinds and relax, whatever it is, yeah. and then play sometimes like, that's what I feel like this game is. It's like, 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 like an actual old skater head that maybe used to be pro and is now retired and now just does it for fun every once in a while. Yeah. And it's great to have like a high quality, at least visually high quality update to the game because you're like like you there's a lot of people who kept playing this game and i have a soft spot in it even though it's not like a huge game that i play myself 
but I have a soft spot for like any game that's like significantly old that still has like a like a, a good following because it's such an indicator that like it it was a a strong game to begin with because mm-hmm. like people you, people have to go th- through such like links to play the old Tony Hawk, but they still did, mm-hmm. right? Like people still did, and then it's good to see like an update that makes it like yeah. accessible and easy for everyone and just like revitalizes it a little bit. Like, yeah, I think it's cool. I. I definitely do appreciate that fact, but because I did like frequently, frequently, almost maybe like two or three times a year, I would go back and play specifically Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two, even though <laughs> even though three is is a better game, one hundred percent, and I agree with that. And that's the game that like, I would choose to play with other people. But I just liked doing the career of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two because it was that was the first game I played. Right, I have that game mm-hmm. like memorized in the back of my hand since I was like mm-hmm. eight years old, right. Mm-hmm. Talk about mm-hmm. playing Tony Hawk's three in like high school. I was playing Tony Hawk two in like grade four, you know. <laughs> like that was that was like yeah. my childhood. Yeah. But like the problem with also with the remake is is that you can't play that career over and over again. What do you mean? You you play through it once and then you unlock everything and that's it. You go oh, back into those levels. Doesn't matter if you did it with one skater. Or you go do it with another skater. You can't reset your progress unless you log in with a different account, right? So oh, then, that, that is kind of strange. Yeah. So, so then the question becomes: Is like, what is, what do you come back to this game to do, right? And because this game is, it's a remake by by Vic, Vicarious Visions, who have done the the Crash and the Spyro remakes. Uh, it's by Activision, who also published like those those remakes because they own the licenses, of course. But they also did CTR, and CTR, I think, absolutely nailed how you balance nostalgia with modern live updated gameplay because CTR is what by the way sorry yeah i should say uh crash team racing the right. uh the kart racing game with crash instead of instead of mario right <laughs> right yep, yep um which i will still go to bat and say that game is better than mario kart and i would play it over it any day of the week <laughs> at um, me on twitter i dare saying? you um so thing? Uh, i to, i digress the thing that this absolutely nailed for me is that you still had the career mode of CTR. You could go through and play it. It wasn't really very fun. You mostly just wanted to to play the tracks, right? And race around the circuit, uh, play with your friends, play online. And all those modes were functional. But they gave you a purpose to do it because they had uh, these things called Grand Prix. A Grand Prix mm-hmm. was almost like a season in a typical battle pass, which is what you would see in, in like Fortnite or Call of Duty. But it was it was incredibly short. You could finish it in maybe 20 hours of gameplay, which is the perfect amount for me because I don't want to be spending 200 hours grinding a pass. But it gave you objectives every week. It told you, go race on this track, get first place on this time trial, um, do something mm. with this power-up. Every day it would give you one of those, and those would feed into the Battle Pass. In addition to give you, not Battle Pass, Grand Prix. Um, and, that w- and they would also give you Grand Prix goals, which were big right. overarching things that you could get points right. for. There was the month. I feel like yeah. that would make, like, are you, wouldn't you be concerned that that makes it feel a little like, I don't know. I would be, up, I would be weirded out if they, they tried to make this game have a battle pass. Do I, you know do- what I mean, I disagree completely because I would have agreed with you if I had not played CTR. Because I think those battle passes extend the games beyond the point where, where they should be played, right? But because of the game, the gameplay in CTR is so timeless for me, and like it, it feels so well, and it 
having those motivations to go back and play a game that I already enjoy was so important to me, right? And right now, I am not playing Tony Hawk, not because, not because like, I don't like the game, but because, like, it becomes something that, that like, if I'm going to go back and, like, re-experience Tony Hawk, uh, I, 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 I would wish I could go through the campaign again and, and just do that. But that's something I do once a year, right? Having mm-hmm. something I could go back to and play this game and have a reason to go back and play it, not just for nostalgia, but because, hey, you get these new pieces for, for the custom characters. Or, hey, we're adding a new map every single season, which is what they did with CTR, right? Wouldn't you love to have a new map every single, like, two or three months for Tony Hawk to come and check out and play? That would be amazing, that sort of life service. It's a game that pretty much, like, I, I'm going to come under fire for this, for sure. But... It's the game that begs for that sort of, of like support. And I feel if it is done well, like it is in CTR, it is not like exploitative in a way that you feel like you're missing out by not playing it. Um, yeah, my question would be, with, with, is that something that's likely to be possible? I, 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 I agree. Like, I, I think what you're saying is like, if you were to execute it well, uh, it would be done well. But um, my point is that if a game were to add in loot boxes that was like a remake of a PS2 or one game, I think there's a I think in a lot of consumers' eyes, probably justifiably so, they would be concerned. Yeah, that which would is not wh- be implemented well, right? Which is why CTR didn't have loot boxes. I know, but uh, sorry, I meant like anything that's similar to the idea of monetizing and playing and having the game set up as a service, mm-hmm. an ongoing service, right? Like. Like, I don't know how I would feel, and, and I could be wrong with this. Yeah. This is just me playing devil's advocate right now. Mm-hmm. If, let's say, the new uh, Super Mario uh, pa- bundle pack, you know, that they're, yeah, they're 3D just All announced, Stars. 3D All-Stars, had a bunch of, like, uh, uh, let's say, games for a service things integrated into the old versions of the game. Like you could play Mario sixty four now, but then like you can do a loot pa- loot, a, uh, sorry, a battle pass to get like different Mario sixty four outfits. Now I, in my head, that actually sounds like it could be kind of cool too. So I don't know what the right answer is, but well, I think it thing, would re- feel sorry. weird, right? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. The the thing is, it's all about implementation, right? And, and like, yeah. it's like any sort of game design mechanic that you put into it is like, what is the player getting out of this, right? And like, I can pitch you. I can pitch you a version of it of, of a of a pass for Mario sixty four that you would be absolutely hooked on. Like, imagine this. Uh, oh, I, no, I believe you. I believe you. But like, give me your give me your version, anyways. Like, ima- imagine this. If you went into Mario sixty four, right, and we had this pass, and like every three months we added a whole new world to Mario sixty four, right, with a whole bunch of new challenges, right, mm-hmm. and then like, mm-hmm. oh, and you. we would remix like old challenges as well, and then would mm-hmm. say like, hey, go go do the race with Koopa with, with the Koopa Troopa in uh in Bobom Valley but this time he cheats he take a shortcut and then you have to beat that sort of challenge and then you do that and then Mario can equip these shoes that have wings on them right you, you get that you get that reward because you won you immediately have you have a carrot you have a fun challenge and you're remixing a game they already liked Here, that's exactly so what CTR did I will I will I will counter that I would be some people, including probably myself, but maybe not, would be a bit mortified at the idea of having a remake of Mario 64 and then changing game mechanics or even if they don't change the game mechanics, but they added in some sort of additional loop to try to get you to play longer. 
The problem is that I think that it feels disingenuous to a consumer audience that wants a, the game that they played before. That they essentially want what Tony Hawk is, which is a remake that tries to stay true as much as possible and and and, and you know does a good job in in changing where it has to change, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know how much people would be super accepting if they like how how much can you change a core game in the remake and then still people will be happy with it i mean cut to ff7 quote unquote remake which is like a different game practically right yeah. so like i could be wrong i think that there is a a, a a line there though somewhere that might be you know a bit weird right that's all that's all i think the thing the, the thing though with, with these things is that you would still have that old experience that you wanted, right? If they did it right, that's the thing. Like, if we say the one the, the image you like uh, painted me, that sounds good. But I could also paint you some weird, terrible other image where like Mario has like his different jumps unlocked, and you have yeah. to like do a battle pass to get like the back jump or something, right? Like, like this, 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 is the class, this is the classic <laughs> uh, microtransaction hold that was brought up back in way back in 2007, yes. where yes. I remember someone was making a pitch for Michael. This was like really before like microtransactions even blew up. Someone yeah. was making a pitch and like, wouldn't it be great if you could pay 10 cents on your mobile app and Mario jumps 10% higher? And everyone's like, <laughs> no, it no! is not. And like, I, re- I I remember this. This was like an interview. Yeah. I don't I don't remember the exactly, but this was an interview that I watched and this person <laughs> said those exact words and the internet revolted. <laughs> but, and, and rightly so. Rightly uh, and, so. And I think the problem is that even if for every person that suggests your idea, there's some marketing jerk that's suggesting what I said yeah. too, right? So what uh, we need yeah. is the people that designed yeah. designed the the live service for CTR. And they're at Activision, right? We need to get that person, (laughs) that team, wherever they are, get them on Tony Hawk, put in (laughs) some levels from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 3, put in some daily goals, ask people to find these hidden gaps, do these tricks. There's already these challenges in the game, actually. This is something that you may not know because they didn't really tout a lot about it. There's a whole list of challenges that say uh, there's a lot of stuff like get theirs, which Mm -hmm. is, hey, starting from this gap, make a 40,000 point combo all the way to this gap. And then you you think in your head like, well, this gap is all the way over here. And you're like, oh man, that is all the way across the level. How am I gonna do that? And that becomes a fun challenge, right? That wasn't in the original game. So I I definitely agree. And I think there, well, I, I, I partially agree. I think there's some balance that we could possibly find if you were to add like, con some way to add additional content to Tony Hawk, right? Like I think that would be good, but regardless, because it's in a business environment, it has to act kind of like like a vampire in some ways. It has yeah. to take something in return, in which case it means it has to make money off the user somehow. And so that would be like that. That's the finest line th- yep. to to tread, right? To like to do that for a game that you're already buying. Mm-hmm. Like if this was, it would be different if this game was like free to play, which that kind of be cool in, in a different way too yeah. like if this was like um sorry what was that racing game that uh, we were talking about in the last episode um that has like all the different communities that you were talking to me about and track it mania? Has, yeah track mania like if it was like something like that where people could build their own fun little parks that could that's you also can. kind of cool you can actually in this game and there's a whole oh, like cool. server that has a lot of custom created parks as well 
Okay, then never mind. That's awesome. But yeah. anyways, you, you, like, yeah, I could see how par- a partial game of service would be good for could could be good for Tony Hawk. But I, I could also oh, see how it could be terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I would even go as far as to say like uh, they should add add different pieces for your custom character, add stuff that you can buy in the shop, because mm. currently. I didn't really buy a lot of stuff in the game using my in-game currency. There's no there's no microtransaction in this game currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing in the shop really caught my eye. I wish there was some crazier stuff like you could have in like Thug, like like uh, like Angel Wings or like these really mm. crazy outfits. Yeah. And the thing... I think uh, it's a miss. The, the, the thing that, that CTR also did really well is that you could buy all those crazy sort of things with your in-game currency. And it was all in-game. You could also buy in-game currency and purchase those things. But mm. the, the balance was in a way that I... You could spend 30 minutes. Here's the goal that every game that wants to be a live service game should do. You should be able to spend 30 minutes in a game in an end game state and get something you want out of it. In CTR, I could spend 30 minutes in that game, do the daily challenges, and have enough currency to buy a character that I didn't have before because there was no duplicates. Yeah, I could, I can see certain people being drawn to that. I yeah. mean, but also, like, a lot of people in Tony Hawk fans are just, they're fans of the grinding the physics mm-hmm. of the game like mm-hmm. they enjoy this that kind of sandbox physics like element of it so yeah it could be i think it could be both yeah yeah um okay so so moving on let's move on um from the skateboards let's, let's to watch the, to the star <laughs> from the skateboards to the star wars dude the the trailer is exactly what i want more of for mandalorian it's so good um uh just to catch myself up with your knowledge you've watched the first season yeah uh, i presume yeah 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 okay good uh, this I is gonna be spoilers for the first season that's literally the only reason i got <laughs> disney plus if anyone is listening to now here's your spoiler warning that's it okay so um there was a couple of things i wanted to bring up besides the trailer but mm-hmm. i also just wanted to talk about season one as a whole because we never really got a chance to to do that okay um uh, I'm just gonna have it playing in my background without audio. Um, so, I have a friend or coworker who's recently started watching The Mandalorian season one, mm. and um, she—they're not—they're not, they're not uh, Star Wars fans. And the first thing that they said to me was like, they were kind of like iffy. They're like, I don't know, like it's not like kind of like as good as everyone's saying it is. Mm. Um, and my first reaction it's kind of obvious is because i like i love the mandalorian but um there was two things i realized one is that it's kind of a good thing i i really think that star wars needs to stop making movies and shows for everybody they need to start making it for people who love the franchise and have kept it going and know something about the universe um, and that's why I felt like the Mandalorian was so good because a lot of the things that made the Mandalorian strong or like people liked about it were subtle things like nods and callbacks to other parts of the movies or deeper lore. For example, the robot that uh, Taika Waititi plays, the Killbot droid mm-hmm. that like um, that's a, a version of IG-88, this assassin droid that's very famous throughout the Star Wars universe. Oh. in the games um <clears throat> so like anyone who's kind of involved with the universe beyond the movies as is, is, is uh would know about it right um all, including all the races and they go to like the, the cantinas um a lot of those scenes are callbacks to like old star wars scenes 
Um, and what I liked about The Mandalorian is, is that they picked a topic that would be interesting for people in the that are Star Wars fans um, that we're not getting with the mainstream movies. And the mainstream movies are picking the same topic over and over again. They're like, <laughs> they have the word Skywalker and it's just like circled like a hundred times. Like we have to go back to Skywalker somehow, right? Like, like everything is based around the same elements and stories. Whereas the Mandalorian follows like a much more smaller part of the universe for the entire first season, right? I like that a lot. I like that a lot to see a smaller story that might build up into a larger story. What did you think of season one? It's interesting because I am Star Wars ambivalent, I like to say. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. I, I do not have this sort of raging fanaticism for Star Wars. I think it is cool. Good. I like the music. I like the visuals. Mm -hmm. There's like all that stuff I find very, very engaging. And I'm a fan of that. Uh, there are parts of the lore that I find really cool and interesting, but I don't dig necessarily too deep in it. Mm -hmm. I, I like it a lot when they explore stuff balances between light and dark and yeah. how Jedi are sometimes like not the best thing, right? And that's Yeah, I would really love them to do the more. <laughs> yeah. I like I I'm the Star Wars fan that played Kotor and like thought Kotor was pretty good. But, that, that, but you're, like, you're a good Star Wars fan, dude. You're hitting all the good Star Wars fan marks. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like but like it's not like I go out in the way and say, and, and like I will like throw all the stuff on my table and say like you need to play Kotor right now you know Listen, nothing okay. Jon Snow it's like so ironic <laughs> th that the story of the Sith and the Jedi fit perfectly with Star Wars fandom <laughs> <laughs> there's like certain people that have like like realized the power of fandom and then they tap into it and then there's like the holy side people who are just like the movie is great it changed my life and met different people and then there's like the evil sith side that's like fallen into hatred and all they can talk about is the parts of the movie they hate and it fuels them just like the dark side does yeah. <laughs> so it's, i think i, I that's what you, I think you're talking about yeah <laughs> i am the balance <laughs> i that is interesting i do like your point of view in terms of someone that isn't a massive star wars yeah. fan though like so, you're i think you're you you properly represent what a lot of star wars fans are probably like they've watched the movies most likely most of them and then they probably played or seen a, a few other additional pieces of yeah star wars right like if someone says like like there's a new star wars movie and like i'll show up for that someone says a new star wars game i'll show up for that and i have the context for that yeah uh, same 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 with like marvel stuff right and i have yeah. a cure like just associate knowledge of like i see something like oh that seems like a specific reference, and I'll look it up. So mm -hmm. I don't have that sort of deep knowledge. So I, I preface all that and saying how I liked The Mandalorian is I, I did really enjoy that move that that show, but I liked it more for its showmanship than for these deep cuts because a lot of them went over my head. Right? I had mm -hmm. no idea about that kill bot. I just said like, "Hey, it's Taika Waititi, mm -hmm. and he's uh, mm -hmm. he's voicing mm -hmm. this funny murder bot." Yeah, yeah. Uh, like like that's that's the love of appreciation I came from mm -hmm. it, and I think. The movie, the the sh oh God, I need to stop calling it a movie. Uh, the show as a whole, I did think that the first few episodes were 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 a little bit slower and a little bit weaker. It did take it did take a while for me to to get drawn into it. Mm -hmm. I, I liked the mm -hmm. first episode. I think the second and the third episodes were starting to lose me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then it, it then it then it then it got me and then it lost me at different points along the way. And I came away thinking that it has an extremely strong start, has an extremely strong finish. 
let's bump some bumping roads in the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never popped for like anything that like showed up that may have had a reference. I did not catch almost <laughs> anything that you might you might have mentioned. But I think it made a very good TV style show for for like a bounty hunter, and he has a mission every single episode, and that mm-hmm. feeds into overarching storyline. Very by the book sort of yeah sort of development and for me that makes a good tv show right that you can jump in on any episode or like rewatch any episode and then you can get an enjoyable story out of out of most of them uh, yeah i like it like i think that part of the reason that it's so like you're the reason that you feel that way is because they do a lot of cinematic stuff very well mm-hmm. um but i also agree with you with the falters because the writing isn't the strongest point. I think the writing, if you were to like analyze it, it's really almost just on par, like just good enough to get away with what they're trying to convey. Because, you know, writing, like say you have like a love interest for some reason, right? Writing can make you hate that arc of the story. Mm-hmm. It can make you love that arc or it can just move the story along, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think that the writing in this one, besides the, the few parts where Taika, like, you can very feel his humor in the certain <laughs> scenes that he wrote, like, the writing was just kind of good enough. But what carries it is, um, one, the performances are actually quite good. The people who are actually acting, despite what's not including what they're saying, their performances are quite good. Yeah. And two, the cinematography and um, overall production value direction is so strong. And I think that's what you're noticing is, like, it's easy for you to follow the story there's no weird hook hiccups where there's like they introduce too many characters and you don't know what the hell's going on but at the same time it's game (laughs) of thrones exactly but at the same time it's also like a very simple show and it 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 like calls back to those old westerns that you were saying like they're they're episodic you know you go through and they have like they literally have the episode where they save the townspeople yeah, the seven, right? the seven <laughs> exactly <separate> right, <laughs> and this, and then and then the people also fight, and you have this sad moment because some of them are done. But I also freaking love that you see what that would be like, but in Star Wars settings, like wait, 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 wait a minute. I also like had a little flashback. Moment. Don't they literally have a scene where some of the townsfolk don't want to fight because they're afraid <laughs> to die, and then and then like someone says like, if you only defend yourself. You will lose everything, but if yeah. you defend each other, <laughs> you will save everything. Like, don't they literally have a moment like that in that episode? Yeah, but listen, the lines aren't great. This the, aren't the best. They're just, they're just enough. A they're line just from enough. Seven Samurai. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, unashamedly. I think I think uh, John Favreau and the directors uh, talked about how they 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 looked at westerns heavily. One of the interesting things that's in the behind the scenes so you can look up on YouTube and stuff is um, all the directors they didn't. There's a lot of directors who directed different episodes. There's maybe like seven or eight, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on a 10-episode series. Mm-hmm. They all actually worked together on each of the episodes. Like, they didn't do each do their own thing. They were all on set for each other's episodes, helping film and, like, doing these little things and talking to each other. So I think that's really interesting because, one, it seems to me that they're prepping to spawn a whole bunch of more shows that are like this which is i would be, i think it would be awesome like for example um um one of the women who directed one of the episodes one of the really good episodes of um the mandalorian is set to direct um i think it is the obi-wan series but it's it's one of the oh right series. that's the thing that's happening yeah that's <laughs> the thing that's happening about that. <laughs> yeah i think that which is all so awesome right is um, Ewan mcgregor obi-wan 
he is he is yes! he is he's on yes! board dude he's like the best part of the of the prequels oh i'm so excited hello um, there <laughs> so uh one thing that i was wondering about the mandalorian was how much like pedro pascal is actually in the suit or is it some random dude and they just get him to do the voiceover and he's in some beach in like <laughs> in the bahamas like phoning in his zooming in his like voice lines or something like that yeah um because the acting is actually pretty good like it's hard to convey emotions <laughs> with a helmet right like they do a pretty good job yeah. well i mean like there's certain actors that are just like really good at it did you um. ever watch dread like yeah, the, yeah. The one with, Call the Urban. One with Call Urban. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, I love, I love him as Dread. <laughs> and like in yeah. ways that Sylvester Stallone, like, like, look, I love Sylvester Stallone. That Dread <laughs> movie was not no. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Urban is my 90s. Judge Dread. <laughs> um. Okay. So to to get into like the new one, um. Everything looks good. They don't tell you too much about the stories, but there's like this brief shot where they show X-Wings. and um, Oh, yeah. So some, some so, more pop for that, and I'm talking to that someone. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like, I have a little like reaction every time I see X-Wings on Yeah, screen. I know. You want to date starships? We've been over this. It's so good. So <laughs> one thing that I am interested in is to f- hopefully find out more in the universe about what the hell happened to the Re- Re- Rebel Alliance after episode six. Because the, the show takes place very soon, or like I would say maybe like, not very soon, but a few years after the episode six ends. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, the Empire is just, er, Empire is supposedly destroyed, Palpatine dying. But in episode seven, which isn't too long, it's supposed to be like 10 or 20 years or something like that. But the entire Empire is like now the top dogs again and they don't explain any of that for like for no reason there's no explanation in any of the three movies like it's part of why i it frustrates me so much emperor palpatine said execute order 77 yes like go on to the next one that one didn't work there's another one here i also had a plan to build 70 billion star destroyers like come on what if what if the child like killed all of them Oh, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, because like that, you never see the child anymore, right? Like, like yeah. the child is never referenced in any of that. You know, you know that child like doesn't survive. <laughs> like, at so the end of no. Well, my my theory is that it's it's a massive like black hole. The new uh, trilogy is because it ruins so much content that they have to find a way to like repair it and like seamlessly connect these terrible storylines together in a way that's like good which by the way is what they've been doing the entire time with the prequels into this into the sequels because um they've made like the clone wars tv show series which does a really good job in explaining a lot of stuff that oh yeah wasn't explained in the movie and also hyping up the movie it's got great moments it's got some it's uh, part of what the Mandalorian to, to me is, is 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 the showcase that Star Wars belongs in TV more so than it belongs in movies at least right now hmm. like um, if you look at all the recent movies most people would agree that Rogue One is the only truly successful one right? I even don't if, like that one well, I even am, if you don't the, like I'm that one I'm in the minority I even don't you know, understand okay, why it's, people like it's, it. It's held up as the one that did most of the things right. The, and I'm, I could probably agree with you with a bunch of stuff that they didn't do like they did it wrong as well. But it did the most things right, right? Whereas in the TV shows, if you're looking at um, 
Clone Wars, Rebels, and Mandalorian, they're not like I wouldn't say that they're these amazing, incredible, like top tier pieces of their medium, right? But they're all well executed. They all satisfy their fans quite well, right? Mm-hmm. And they all are above average in mm-hmm. like in a significant way, but maybe not in a way that like makes you go, oh my god, right? It's just in the subtle way where you appreciate the show and you like and you enjoy watching it, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's what I want more of Star Wars right now because it feels like the movies are trying to swing for the fences by like getting you to feel these big emotions, but it's 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 coming off as like needy and cheesy, right? It's like yeah. if someone is trying to give you a really heartfelt like emotional speech and he's like struggling to cry for some reason and you're like this feels so weird that's how it feels when i'm watching star wars in the movie theater right now unlike unlike me who will actually cry in front of you yeah i want real (laughs) tears like if i (laughs) i want to legitimately feel the pain of a character dies not like when i watch a (laughs) character like when i watched chewbacca like fake die i was like this is the spoilers for episode seven (laughs) Spoilers for yeah, spoilers for episode nine. Yeah, I was like, this is it. It was so cringy to me. Like nothing, no, no character had any weight to their to any of their consequences in the new movies yeah. to me. Like it just felt like this was a. Um, it's funny because like that's a clown exact, show. It's funny because that's exactly how I feel about a certain Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I you're obviously talking about Tenet. I haven't seen it yet. Which why which is why we're not going to talk about it. But okay. I will. I will we'll put talk it out about there. it. Uh, I didn't realize it was out yet. Actually, <laughs> COVID is a it's a weird time with COVID because like I don't like I feel like I've lost track of when things yeah. are coming out. Like I didn't realize Spelunky two came out like today. Yeah, and I was yep. watching a streamer play it. And I realized in Canada, it's out till on the 29th for some reason. We no, can't no, no, play no, it. No, 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 it's out no? On play- no, it's out on PS4 on the 15th. It's out on the 29th on Steam. You're, you can play it in Canada. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. PS4. Don't worry. It's like, it's right here. It's right here. It's right on my TV. You can you can come and play. You want me to turn yeah, the camera? <laughs> you can see some Splunky 2? <laughs> not the same. Not the same. Um, Go buy yeah, Splunky 2. I've got to watch Tenet, <laughs> and then we will have our discussion because that's a good movie to talk about. Um, uh yeah. yeah there is yeah. stuff to say about that movie <laughs> and also nolan's body of work <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll get into that next time um that's all i had for the mandalorian let's move on to prince of persia um let's watch the trailer first i saw my father turn to sand oh my god <laughs> okay so i uh okay what do you think i, I, I want to know what you think first Man, I love Prince of Persia Santa time, but I don't know about this. Yeah, me too. I don't Dude, know. Dude, the about graphics this. did not look that no, much. No, like that's that's the like I mm, thought it was like <laughs> I was asking at the beginning, he's like, is this the first game? Like is this the pre the before transformation? Like, like, no, this is this is the remake. Uh, there is I, I, I love some of the shots of the environments, but some of the character models I Mm. Mm. also (laughs) as much as i love that like i'm with you i really like the original prince of persia remake (laughs) the first time they remade it for the playstation 2 what Um, what do you mean the first time they remade it for the playstation 2 isn't this a remake of the 2d prince of persia game no 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 this is sands of time that was released for ps2 i know but isn't sands of time the a remake of the no platformer no 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 no. okay it's just, no, it's a sequel no, no. it's a sequel no it's it's standalone it's its own trilogy 
Yeah. Okay. 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 Oh, okay. So it's... Like some of the basics. Some of the basics are in place, right? There's a prince and an evil vizier who has caught right. a princess, and like, but like in the first one, it's like the princess needs to marry the vizier before an hourglass runs out, otherwise she dies. That's the two D uh, one. Like that's 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 your original Prince of Persia storyline. Here it's like oh. it's 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 much more involved, right? And and right, the, right. and the princess isn't a damsel in distress. She's actually like a pretty significant force in this game right right um yeah either way that i think that the original gameplay um that i was playing on the ps2 era was already like like of its time you know what i mean like it was good enough for its time maybe yeah. even good for its time but now we have games that are significantly better at we have dark souls out now in terms of this game that games combat right like besides <laughs> besides the 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 time traveling mechanic the pretty much the idea of like a, a 3d fighter like there's god of war there's a lot of games that do the gameplay really really well and i wonder if the gameplay batman can hold changed, up batman changed like three, so much 3d action combat forever for, for so much for point in fact but like the biggest draw e even at the time like the combat for sense of time was serviceable like no one no one was writing home at the yeah. time about sense of time it was about yeah. the traversal in the environments the mm -hmm. puzzle uh and the story that like everyone said like oh this is the the framing of it of of like he is like telling this story to farah who like he had this whole experience with and, he, and like that comes together in the end but she mm -hmm. doesn't remember it because he did the big rewind Right, right? right so that he yeah. could like kill the vizier and like having it framed in that was was such a big revelation at the time mm -hmm. and every time you died he'd say like no wait that that's not how yeah it that's the how it, yeah like wait no wait i, I don't have that right that like, couldn't have been right. it's <laughs> so thematic the yeah. thing about sands of time yeah because you go on if you want to play a prince of purge game for the gameplay you'd go and play warrior within right which is yeah. which is the one that they like put in Godsmack in the soundtrack and made him really sour and surly and you're kind of like oh not sure i like this but it feels really good to play you know <laughs> yeah and i yeah. guess that's the that's the minimal bar i guess this this game has to hit is it, just bring back that whole thematic hole and i guess it's fine but unlike i don't, Tony I don't Hawk, think it's fine i don't uh, think it's fine unlike i think Tony it's Hawk, like i'm not biting at the bit to play it you know because of that yeah, cause, well, Tony Hawk, the key component was the gameplay. Yeah, like you exactly. Were saying, exactly. The, the storyline and campaign were kind of secondary to a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas in this one, the story is a big deal, but it's like watching someone try to remake an old 90s movie. Like, did you watch any of the, like, the Total Recall they try to re remake? Like, some of them are just these, it, these movies that don't fit anymore in, like, yeah, culture. Yeah. But here's the thing, though, is that you can remake a game and, like, have it work. Like, look at Resident Evil 2, right? Yeah, but the thing is, they changed the gameplay. Exactly. And right. that's when, like, I saw the phrases, Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake. Yeah. That's immediately what I thought is, like, oh, my God, they are retelling the story. of They're making a new Prince of Persia game. That's what I thought, right? That was so telling the story of Sands of Time. We hit on this topic. There's two. There's two like uh, axes of how far to go with the remake, right? There's yeah. the more Tony Hawk like. I would say Tony Hawk leans on the more traditional uh, copying the old game style, and then there's the FF7 style, which is just let's just take the nostalgia and then remake everything about it so that we can like yeah. modernize it, right? Yeah. I I'm with you. I think this game probably could do with the more modernization i would love to see yeah. this game with like like you're saying like an arkham asylum 
style fighting uh, combat uh, where you would also sad you would also <laughs> rewind time that's a great mechanic to like lop on top of it right mm-hmm. like you 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 like you fucked up a counter you can you can just rewind time real quickly and like i think that would be amazing because then imagine the things you could set up that way right like it would be really fun yeah, yeah. that's good yeah i i, agree. I, I would love <laughs> to see stuff like like how we can like just use the technology we have to do even more stuff with like time like make mm-hmm. different versions of yourself record specific combat moves and then like deploy mm-hmm. them in a certain way like those sorts of more creative ideas that you could do with this whole concept and then wrap it in that like fantasy storybook style that like hasn't i mean you you kind of see it be done sometimes like with uh bastion bastion is bastion 100 percent. that storyline delivery like 100 percent was kind of inspired by by sands of time even the yeah. way he, even the way he like narrates it to begin, like some people say that time flows in one direction, it's <laughs> like a river. Yeah, blah blah blah. You know that that's yeah. sort of like yeah. the 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 smoldering narrator. You know, yeah, like like and that the, sort of style is is really grounded in like that two thousand and one. Yeah, like yeah, Prince of Persia game setting up the um the time traveling mechanic right at the beginning too like with the narrator yeah, yeah. god i uh, man i i mm. and like sure I'll, I'll buy it i'll play it but to me this is this is I'm ubisoft this is ubisoft <laughs> i'm not I'm biting a, on this one <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker right like this this clearly is not going to be something that they're going to be selling for like 90 90 dollars no, like this like, be uh, like, like i would hope i would hope this is like a, maybe a 30 dollar 40 dollar game canadian yeah canadian <laughs> yeah in a world in a world where activision has remade three crash games and like they make them look really good they look better than this let's be yeah. honest this one seemed a little like a little phoned in there was a lot of stuff where i was like the, the they didn't even up the, the hair the hair specifically got me you know like yeah. it's so aliased and stiff and I, yeah mm. yeah um, so it's a little unfortunate that they didn't do too much of a job updating the models. I I think it's a well. I gotta give it. Well, like, I mean, compare it side by side. I'm sure it looks markedly yeah. better. But I'm you know, sure, that's not, but that's I don't think it looks and that that much better. That's the problem. Look at the I I think you're forgetting how bad like PS2 yeah, probably, models look. Look, look like we, we we forget. We easily forget. The problem but is, but it, also it, look it at the release date. Like, look at the release date. January twenty one. This is a PS5 game. That's pretty bad. Like the problem is, it looks like they took the same models and they just added in it into a game that, or into an engine that can have higher resolution. Whereas Tony Hawk's, the models have actually improved. Like they've actually changed out the models. Well, they also they also aged all the skaters, which is yeah, which, which is, is awesome. which is which is excellent. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, we'll see. I'll I'll wait for your review on this one. But um, I don't know. This is like Ghost. kind of like watching. <laughs> The Lion King. I didn't want to watch it because I didn't want to watch um, them ruin a, a no, classic. No, no. Even, even then, even then, I went to go watch Lion King because I wanted to see a different take on the Lion King. This isn't a different take on the Lion uh, on Prince of Persia. That's my biggest issue. You know? Yeah. There's some there's some scenes there that I looked at. And I'm like, this could be new, but but the way no, the combat uh, looked, the way the environments stank. looked, the way they said they showed scenes and say, you remember this, this is what this looked like. You're like, yeah, this is this is exactly what I remember happened in the original game. I also remember the like when I looked at the camera angles, it's that same kind of claustrophobic lens angle that they use. Like I if you look at more modern like third-person action games, they've really evolved how the camera works. 
Like this, that's that's one of the most annoying things about I, this one because like I didn't like the camera system that much in the old Prince of Persia. I, I I don't I I I seem to remember that in Santa Times it was actually touted for having, like you were doing certain puzzles and certain jumps, and the camera would pull out. There was even a button that you could push. Mm. Yes, yes, this is true. There was a button you could push, and the camera would zoom into a corner of the room, and you, and it would track the prince as he navigated the room. So you could have that extremely wide-angle camera. It was, it did try certain things like that. Mm-hmm. In in addition to having like the very close third-person camera for sure. But if you yeah. if you if you think about it nowadays, like think about the camera in, in God of War. Think about the camera in, in like Batman. It is much closer together. I I I think that's still. Prince of Persia mm. is still of the era where the camera was still pretty far yeah. back. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that point. No, that's no, that's what I mean, is that the new oh, generation I of see. cinematics is much more evolved to feel, like, more real. Essentially, I see what the, you mean. I see the, what you mean. Yeah, yeah. The field, of, the field of view and the eye level of the camera is much more, like, eye level of a person now. So it feels like you're a bit more behind Kratos walking along. It's post- post 2004 when resident evil 4 changed video games forever yeah and 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 this is just a note is partly because um back in the day especially in the ps2 days you couldn't have the camera just looking off at the horizon because there would be way too much things to draw and they and a lot of games had troubles figuring out the horizon so then that's why they had a top down camera because then you only had to draw things that were like right next to the character this is kind of the thing that might be like nice to look at in the Prince of Persia remake because a lot of the because of that specifically a lot of Prince of Persia Sands of Time takes place indoors. And when you do go mm-hmm. outside and and there's a part in that game where you're, you're climbing the tower the is it the Tower of Time? I can't remember. You climb a large tower, right? And you spend a lot of time like on the outside of the tower, inside the tower. Yeah. A- and like it, it it's nice, right? Right, right, because you have this. But because it's on the PS2, it says like you're so high in the sky that there's just clouds around you. Yeah, there's no fog. there's no view to it, right? Yeah. There's yeah. like a sunset at some point, right? Because God, it's I'm thinking about do. stuff in Prince of Persia, I'm thinking about how time just changed throughout that game and how perfect it was because it takes place over the course of of two <laughs> days or so and you could see the time change every time you'd pop out of the out of the building and you see like a little bit of the city and it was night and it's all lit up and it was super nice those sorts of details would look really good in a remake but you know mm-hmm. i we mm-hmm. have to see how good the quality is right yeah god I okay love prince of persia it's funny we have a lot of remakes today because the next thing is also going to be a remake or retelling um why don't you pull up the dune trailer for yourself here let's do it yeah Um, Dude, <laughs> uh, is this is this uh popular movie stars of of the twenty uh, first century? The movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I I, I cannot. I, okay, okay. I need to point this out. I need to point this out. I just watched the trailer. This is the exact font they use for Death Stranding, right? Like, don't maybe don't 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 don't. don't. It is. It is. It definitely Maybe. is. Maybe. I don't know. You don't watch know. the Death Stranding trailer and watch this trailer. They are the same trailer. It is the same <laughs> pacing, the same, like, longing shots on, like, people's faces. Don't. Like, don't. Someone, someone really likes Hideo okay. Kojima's, like, okay. cinematography. <laughs> One or sec. vice versa. Before we get into the actual trailer, just know that um, it's the same marketing companies that make all these big trailers, and they all steal from each other in terms of the beats as to when to make, when to like 
cut things together. So it doesn't surprise me at all if okay, they happen to like steal <laughs> each other's trailers. So uh, I've been very cautiously optimistic about Dune. Uh, it's have you like how much do you know about Dune, and have I've, you read or anything about it before? Well, uh, I'm delighted to tell you that uh, I have played the board game. <laughs> nice, but you haven't watched the previous movies, or um, you haven't uh, read the books, right? Nope. <laughs> okay, so Dune has been uh, attempted to be made several times before, including uh, a movie, I believe it was in the 90s or perhaps early 2000s, featuring uh, Patrick Stewart uh, playing as a, and it was also like that era's like blockbusters. It was a very young Patrick Stewart too. Um, but it wasn't quite that good. The problem with Dune, though, is that um, in terms of like its placement in sci-fi history, it holds a very special place because it's one of the first super epic space opera sci-fis that defined a genre of space opera sci-fi that spawned past it. Um, it is the first of its kind to, in book form, tell a story that's uh first off multi-generational that spans a very realistic but also extremely heavy in its own world building culture like universe um Mm -hmm. that spans like a galaxy so it has in that universe um this isn't really spoiling because i think that even if you were to watch this movie you would want to come into a bit of context um in the universe for example uh they have a like various different political uh entities that resemble the entities in our world like there are terrorist cults that play a specific role that are very similar to kind of what resonates in our world um but there's also things like um a a sisterhood that can partially predict the future and that's how that they that's the method they use for interstellar space travel at like super speeds is that they are able to predict like the correct course that's kind of like the overarching plot line Mm. and a lot of the stories arcs revolve around control of the resources that allow this kind of interstellar space travel right so it's about the spice trade as well the spice trade that's part of it spice is essentially the fuel that allows these people or creatures um that are pilots in the universe to be able to 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 circum or navigate the the universe right Mm. and even in that itself is an extremely complicated bit of story to be telling it it does not lend itself to a movie very well right but Mm. having seen this trailer what do you think of like what is your what would be your impressions and i'll tell you my impressions coming from like a dune fan i mean i didn't me not knowing anything about dune this movie seems to tell a story of of a, of a young ruler rising up to replace uh, a father figure that he looks up to but maybe isn't doing the best job mm-hmm. and that's most of what i got out of it and and mm. there's a lot of typical hollywood stuff that wants to draw you in you know big fights big explosions big armies um and the most important asset of all uh dave batista uh so <laughs> <laughs> Dave Batista plus um oh what's his name he's uh oh he was Drogo <laughs> in in Game of Thrones yeah uh, I can't remember his name he's an awesome guy but he's he, yeah. he's great so um he hasn't ascended Dave Batista levels because we can't name <laughs> yeah, him by, by yeah. memory yet <laughs> um 
I, I kind of completely understand your perspective. I don't think if I was to look at this trailer on a surface level, there's anything besides the high caliber of actor and then maybe um, a well-executed trailer that's put together, yeah. together right? Um, everything that gets you excited, gets me excited about the film is actually, it has so much to do with its own backstory and the ability that it looks, or the confidence that it gives that it'll execute it well. Hmm. Um, for example, and this will be good because then um, I'll take you through what my feelings were. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character, um, the, the young guy, uh, if you want to pull it up on your own screen, we don't have to include this in thing, but uh, if you want to follow along. Um, anyways, the main character, um, he's in a very difficult role because he has to play this 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 kind of brooding type main character that has to be likable, but it's kind of like every Final Fantasy character that you can imagine. <laughs> main character that you can imagine that is like a silent protagonist that like has a lot of, th- of thoughts going on inside, right? Mm. My big worry for him would be that he... Uh, in no soft way to put it like looks too much like a bitch <laughs> like he's wow he, he's like he's too soft that would be my concern right like he he has to play this character that is both vulnerable but also extremely powerful at the same time like in this in the same story right i find mm-hmm. that thing that's quite hard for for any actor to do right um, so that was one of the first pieces of confidence. He, this this particular character has been, or actor has been in several uh, other upcoming um, movies, including one called The King, where he plays um, essentially a uh, uniter of England type story during medieval times, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of like, um, it's kind of like King Arthur, but he's not King Arthur, if, you know, if that kind of makes sense. Is that the Netflix show? It is a Netflix show. Um, okay, I think I've seen it. I th- I've seen it, seen a trailer for it. I don't know yeah. if it's the same guy. Yeah, so it's him. Um, the movie I actually like that that movie a lot, but it's it's a slower paced movie, um, which is also why I have more confidence in this particular guy because he does he plays a similar role character wise that's in Dune, um, and he does a quite a good job in it. So he's one thing that gives me a lot of confidence. Um, the costume design looks so good. I think in terms of being able to not look outrageous, like uh, it's it's hard for me to overemphasize how important that is because there are so many previous examples um, of like pretty modern space opera movies that just suck like so badly right like like there's a lot of and a lot of it has to do in my opinion is because it's hard to buy into the seriousness of these worlds when the costumes look like they're <laughs> like they they it's like you know the early days of marvel when they try to like replicate the costumes that look exactly in the comic books that's kind of how it felt like in the old um if you watch the old version of dune or other representations of this movie mm-hmm. i've seen screenshots <laughs> they're, yeah, they're so bad there's it's because the concepts in the movie are really weird like there's like a f- there's like the the thing that powers uh certain parts vehicles are like are weird fish monsters that are like in tanks and stuff like it's it's over the top right um but from what i have seen in this trailer it it's funny because like you were saying it doesn't blow you away but that's kind of like what i what makes me so impressed is that it's they managed to make it subtle and realistic and look like a world that actually like belongs um i I wouldn't say it didn't blow me away i okay i just I I don't have I don't have any context to it. Like a trailer well, a trailer will always a trailer always looks good to me, you know. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's, well, that's what, what I mean. That's, that's why I don't know how much va- I don't know how much value we as a society put have have to like put into oh into a trailer before a movie comes. I out. I, I, mean, I agree. I think that I can't. I'm still I'm still cautious. Like I have I have if I watch if I watch like a trailer for a game, I have a pretty good idea of like what the graphics are gonna look like, what mm-hmm. what what the uh what the gameplay like if it's a gameplay trailer, are. if it's right. a gameplay trailer, <laughs> yeah. Uh, careful not to talk too close to your mic because you're 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 peeking. Okay, sure. Um. Uh. But yeah, with with a trailer, it's always you're getting a piece of a two-hour experience. It's hard to tell how it fits, you know. And and it's also heavily edited, like extremely edited yeah. parts of the movie. So I agree. Like the there's there's not much you can tell, but I've kind of I have my own system now to try to take away points from the trailers to see whether it's good and, and it's and never you feel, about you feel excited right they're showing you the things that you you as a fan of dune would like to see i think that what i'm excited about isn't so much what they were showing it's the like i was saying like there are certain things in movies that you can't fake like you're talking about like you know how like we were saying gameplay it's hard to fake gameplay because you can actually yeah. see how it plays right or costumes yeah one thing yeah costumes would be one in movies and cinematography is another thing in movies because mm-hmm. they they can't show you f- made up shots they have to show you actual shots from the movie right they can edit it in any given way but when a shot um is composed like very well like that's a great sign for the movie because very rarely does um usually there's one overall cinematographer that controls the kind of like directing and everything that along with the director that suggests it right so like if there's a the consistency of strong shots throughout the trailer it makes me believe that like at least technically with the cameras and the director setup they know what they're doing story-wise i don't know they could decide to do a whole bunch of really weird shit going on in the movie that makes it terrible. But on the surface, it at least looks like it's a polished car. You know, like the paint's not rusted off and like the door opens okay. Like we haven't driven it yet, but it on the outside, it looks like it should at least be promising. Which is a pretty big plus in a movie that's in a franchise that's been done pretty bad in so many ways. And also so many directors have tried it. Like so many big directors have tried it. Uh, mm. How many Dune at... movies are there? There's just the one, right? Um, I believe that there is uh, two two older movies. Mm. Um, I think they're generational jumps apart. And then there have been there was a series with Susan Sarandon and a bunch of other people that was oh, yeah? not quite as good. Oh no. Um, Oh, and no. it was it was all for the same reasons. Like the story that Dune tells is very big, and the show. Um, this was before you know Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad, where shows proved they could be of really good quality and could afford big budgets. You cannot make the story of Dune with a small budget. Like you saw the giant worm that was like at the end of the of uh, the trailer, right? Yep. That is. A incredibly important part to the overall story of Dune. Yeah, and they put it uh, on the cover of the book. On the cover of books, but it's also like you, you, we wouldn't be able to do it justice until recently, where we have CG technology, right? Like there mm. was no way for us to properly show a giant worm, and so it's hard to watch an old movie because they're like, 
worshipping and talking about these giant destructive like cataclysmic monsters and then they show like a puppet <laughs> like coming out of like fake sand in the ground to represent yeah. this giant worm yeah. you're like, okay i've lost <laughs> i've lost the believability factor <laughs> i know i know, the worm the worm is a huge deal in the board game oh yeah you could lose the entire game because of that damn worm it's funny that you played the board game what did you like the board game how did that play out i i i have very mixed feelings on it. i like it in concept i didn't i've never played a good game of it <laughs> but like it's revered. it's like a, it's, it's like actually, movies <laughs> it's a, <laughs> that's a good point uh it's incredibly revered i'm not sure if you know that like among the, the board, board games, games dude yeah. this is just like the movie it's like the book no, is revered because, because <laughs> here's here's the thing is like there was this old version of dune right and it was like back it was made like in the 80s i think and like mm. it went out of print and people were like dying to play dune again and, like they would go for like crazy amounts of money because oh, it was such shit. a particular gameplay because you had the circular board and there's different tribes and everyone had a different objective to win the game if i remember correctly Ooh. And, but but like it was it was it was a bit unbalanced at certain <laughs> points depending on how many players you were playing or what factions they were playing yeah it, it was it was a hard game to balance and, and and your your whole game could get destroyed just by like happenstance or the damn worm <laughs> um and, nice. and and there was actually a recent reprint reprint of it in 2015 and people were i need to stop playing with a switchblade um <laughs> uh, that people started uh playing again nice um yeah man so i'm i'm cautiously hopeful there was uh there's a bit of controversy with the movie uh not the controversy but uh the director came out and said that he <laughs> he was a little disappointed in the movie because or the edit of the movie because Wait, the he, director that the director that directed the movie the director yes uh because he wasn't able to I, I think this is the story he wasn't able to work with his editor directly he like if they had to do it over like like over a zoom or whatever and he mm -hmm. wasn't able to be there in person to give feedback and you know editing is a, a massive part of any given movie they say to like the movie is made three times like once when it's written once when it's directed and then once when it's edited mm -hmm. right um so that's why they make a big deal when a movie is written directed and edited by <laughs> <laughs> yeah one person you're like okay this better be good um yeah so i don't know we'll see uh but the trailer looks i just i hope it's good but man so much so much dune has has been like mired in terribleness like there i think there was also a dune game that was attempted to come out that was also terrible there was too. A, no there was a there was a dune rts that's actually pretty revered as well oh is it okay maybe I'm it, is, it, yeah, is, okay, it is con yeah. it is considered pretty it's considered as a predecessor to the what you generally consider as an rts i oh, okay. i believe <laughs> okay i, I, I can i can from, be wrong from, but yeah from, from my head from from my head i think it came out around the same time as command and conquer oh okay okay yeah i remember i, I think i know what you're talking about now um but yeah we'll see we'll see uh, uh the the story looks the story it would be impressive i would say even if they were able to do it somewhat justice like if, it, if they were able to make like an 8 out of 10 movie i would be really really impressed with the themes in the story would you feel better if they just made a a movie that like what if this movie comes do you did you watch annihilation uh yep i watched annihilation yep annihilation was written based on the book of the same name but the yeah. director read the book once uh i think three five e three or five years before he shot the the movie 
Uh, and, and so, like, you read the book and you watch the movie, they are very different. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely feels like you're watching the movie from someone that read the book a while ago and then just did it from memory. Oh, and, I see. And, and like, I, I really like that movie and I really like the, that book and they're very different. And they tell... Yeah. they. They tell adjacent stories, but they're different in, in like theme and delivery. It's like a Which different you, people, right? Like it's like a it's not even a female cast in the book, right? It's like a no, like it a is a down. completely female cast in, in the book. In the book, oh, okay, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. okay, never mind, yeah. Um, I think you can ask. Would I? Think I, so. I, uh, I, yeah, I'm just trying to remember now because I think they maybe they don't even mention genders in the book but i'm not sure if that i i had thought that oh they don't they they don't they don't they don't mention names in the book that's that's the thing it's always like the researcher the botanist the uh archaeologist the whatever right right they never use names uh but i think they use gender and i think they're all female um what i was going to ask you is like what if they did that instead for dune because like i said there's this whole history and this whole backing for for dune what if someone just did the Dune that they remember from memory and they just told a really good movie? Or would you feel like would you feel upset about that? They didn't tell exactly the story and themes from the book. Is it so, really that timeless? So the thing is, there's a couple of things. One is that um, they would have to because the way the book is told, it's not conducive to a movie like a script. If you know what mm-hmm. I mean, like they would have to do some sort of translation just to get it condensed down into a yeah. movie form yeah um, that's kind of my point instead of yeah. trying that what if they just told like their own version of the dune but like, the, the thing is it's that i would all the th- the themes in dune that are hard to do are essentially what i would want to see them try to pull off like mm. if the a more successful version of the movie would pull off more and more of these themes right mm. they could do less and they could do their own thing to like circumnavigate but i think like we've seen a lot of remakes try to do that and a lot of times they're trying to circumnavigate things like that are very logistical maybe like the actor has like is no longer available or whatever it is or um maybe like the the cg wasn't good enough right but every time they do that like it feels i think it feels like you're missing out because if you if you're talking about a truly good story and you break down a story into like these major components all the components should be leading up to each other essentially right like or at least mm-hmm. to climactual point and it's very hard as a writer i think to take a a, a very complete story remove a, a section and then be able to like stitch it back together in a cohesive way so that would be my concern but with Dune, like, it's just a long story. They would have to take out some parts or at least summarize some parts and characters, right? Like, it's just un- unfathomable. So it's about whether or not they do that correctly. But I, I, w- I would agree with you in that, like, you know, I would lo- I think they have to do that. Um, and it's just, a, but I wouldn't want them to shy away from any themes. Like, if they were to not have a worm and then instead, okay, this is a great example is like in the old Fantastic Four movie, the really bad ones, and they did Galacticus. And they couldn't render or figure out how to render Galacticus, so they just made him some sort of weird swarm monster that devoured plants, planets. That's mm. that's what I would not want to happen. Like, don't like don't try to like avoid things in the movie that are important because they're hard to do. Which is what I think a lot of like remakes tend to do, mm-hmm. uh, or at least like uh, a lot of Stephen King movies, for example, because Stephen King has this habit of writing like 
really abstract, weird things that are hard to visualize into mm-hmm. his books. And so when the movies come out, they all have to like they all do a great job during the normal parts. But then when he goes super weird, they have to make their own interpretations because there's no way to like translate that properly into the film. And I think that's where where the really creative licensing will, or like really creative potential of directors would come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like another example of that is the color out of space. Oh uh, yeah, I do. I love if, that movie. By the way, it it, it it is it is so well done. I'm glad there, he's the director is going on to direct the other movies from H.P. Lovecraft because mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft is one of those writers who who like does write <laughs> in abstract terms. Yes. Probably the king of writing in abstract horror. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think the movie does... It is... The Color Out of Space, the movie, is fundamentally different from The Color Out of Space, the book, because you can see The Color Out of Space, so you can understand it, you mm-hmm. know? You can see the effect it has on that family instead of, like, you you just noticing the behaviors are different. Like, it is a... Mm-hmm. They turn a very psychological story... Mm-hmm. into a body horror movie right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and that is that is very that is very interesting yeah and, um, they, and they connected the psychological horror to the body exactly horror, exactly great, but yeah. it was its own original spin on, on that story and it paid dividends i think that is a it is a fantastic mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. um if they so, did yeah, something just, like that it would be great like if they yeah. took some sort of like because the thing about um the color of space that does a good job is that it captures the mood that you would feel while you're reading Lovecraft. Like he's describing these ethereal things, but he's also describing these very weird, culty, creepy likeness of, and then you don't really, you never like one of the key things about Lovecraft is that you never quite know what's going on. Yeah. Like you 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 can't, you'd go crazy if you did, you would go crazy. Right. But there's always something acting and there's and it just comes through in bits and then you you get that exact feeling watching the color of space you're like you they're trying everyone in the sh- movie everyone in the movie uh, and the story is trying to piece the story together but none of them actually know what's going on and you mm-hmm. yourself kind of know more than them but you still don't know what the hell's going on no you, you get something <laughs> in the movie and you don't even really understand the nature of why everything yeah. happened yeah and that's oh and, and, and the success of that movie is that it doesn't matter mm-hmm. you know it yeah. the the ending narration of that movie is basically like guys saying like well that was messed up i <laughs> guess i have to live with this now somehow so um <laughs> Without spoiling it, but I've told you the th- basic themes about Dune, and then I guess the final piece would be uh, about this character is um, um, the main character. Uh, his story is a bit about like like what to do if you're uh, like a a prophet, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there That's is actually kind of very similar to the board game then. Yeah, th- well, I would hope so. <laughs> Uh, well, I there's think, one. There's one person that can like see see the future of like of like how the world is going to change and who's going to get fucked over, and their knowledge is super important. So you can yes. kind of want to trade and exactly. like see what what happens. So all all of Dune's story revolves around this central the central figure, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I would the thing is there's a certain theme with this character that happens at the end that's very important. Um, I won't reveal it. It has to do with all the things I told you. Uh, but if they don't get that theme correct, 
it's like they missed the Lovecraft part of making the color in space. Like mm. that theme is really, really important because if you read, if you follow up with the rest of the books, which are crazy and um, probably not that good writing at some point too, because it gets really, really? weird. Mm. Um, but it's not that it's a bad writing. It's that it gets very, very weird in terms of it's generations of space evolution and stuff that goes on. And then you can just imagine how weird it gets. Right, mm. Mm. Um, but it's it's the great it's part like of it. Two thousand one space odyssey weird or, or a little less weird. Yeah, it's like it's a little bit of that mixed in with a little bit of like I guess um, Lovecraft esque esque with oh. politics. Um, but anyways, it gets weird. Lovecraft um, politics. Sell me the, that game. <laughs> the, the the theme that I'm talking about that with the central character that is significant and holds true throughout all the books. So mm. th- they, they really have to get this main theme correctly. Um, it sounds like that's kind of what the movie is going for because it's a very much a, uh, you know, that Spider-Man line, great responsi- great power comes with great responsibility. Very sure. similar themes throughout the entire book. So I think they have to really get that correct. It's like if they were to do a Spider or a super, uh, Superman movie and they need to get the whole, like, Clark Kent is a superhuman, like a human being, like a super person, but he chooses to be a, a human kind of thing. Like there are mm-hmm. certain character themes that are very important to the overall story. This is a very similar type of story where they have to get that particular part right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's pretty much it for me for Dune. Well, thank you for following us on this trail of remakes and uh, one new thing, I guess, which was. God, what was the one thing that we talked about that was actually new? Uh, Mandalorian. Mandalorian, that's yeah. right. It's also <laughs> a franchise that's decades old. Yeah. But anyway, uh, be careful out there. It's a dangerous world. Take care of each other. Um, and we'll see you next time right here, Beyond the Pixel.